My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 6th of February. I'm Sam. And I'm Zara. What a special episode we have for you today. TDA's first ever interview with a sitting Prime Minister. There has not been a new coal-fired power station built in Australia at any time, at any time. But there are a lot of gas exploration projects that are under consideration at the moment. more than a decade. TDA journalist Tom Crowley brings some big questions to his chat with sitting PM Anthony Albanese, and they do cover a lot of ground. Things like the government's plan for a voice to parliament, climate change, mental health, and so much more. There is a lot to get through for this Monday morning, so we're going to jump straight into it. But stick around until the end of the episode for a little bit of extra information on the policy areas discussed in the interview. Prime Minister, thank you very much for speaking to the Daily Oz. Good to be with you. I want to start with the referendum on an Indigenous voice to Parliament later this year. Now, some of the latest polling suggests that a lot of Australians still can't explain what a voice is. How will you bridge that gap between now and the vote? Uh, We'll be very clear in the lead up to the vote that this is about recognition and consultation. That's all it's about. We should be proud that our constitution should reflect that we share this continent with the oldest continuous culture on earth. And secondly, that where matters affect Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, we should ask them, we should consult with them. That's good manners, Uh, but it won't uh, be a funding body. It won't be a body that is able to overrule the parliament or veto what the parliament does. It's subservient to the parliament, which is why that detail will be legislated And, of course, that legislation can be changed from time to time. It it can, but there are clearly a lot of people who are quite interested in getting a sense as they make their mind up about their votes about what that legislation will look like. People, I I think, haven't had a referendum on the Constitution this century. For everyone under the age of 40, this will be the first time they've ever voted. And what they're voting on isn't legislation. They're not voting on the structure of, of the, uh, the, the voice detail. What they're voting on is just the principle of constitutional recognition and that uh, the form in which uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people themselves determined at Uluru overwhelmingly that they wanted was to have a voice, that is a say in matters that affect them. If I can move on to to housing, the cost of both owning a house and renting a house are going up significantly at the moment. It's something that puts pressure on a lot of Australians, millions of Australians really. Our housing stress rates are some of the highest in the world. A lot of the policies that the government offers cover maybe a few tens of thousands of people a year. Is that really enough to shift the dial on this problem? Well, this is a massive problem and, and we're very cognizant of that. For young people in particular, it's far more difficult to get into home ownership Uh, than it was when I first went into uh, home ownership and went and got a mortgage, which was in the early 1990s. And so uh, what we need to deal with, though, is the whole issue of supply that affects 
not thousands of people, but hundreds of thousands of people. And that's why our housing accord is such a breakthrough. And, and that's on top of the additional social housing investment that we're doing, the additional emergency housing investment that we're doing for women and children escaping domestic violence. That's on top of our regional home buyer scheme. It's on top of our help to buy scheme, which is a shared equity scheme as well to allow people to get into the market. So a whole range of reforms uh, are there working together to try and, and assist people uh, to get into uh, appropriate housing. But a lot of these problems are very deeply rooted. One thing the Labor Party's considered in the past is some of the tax treatment of housing and the way that that encourages people to be investing in the housing market. Is that something that you'll revisit? Well, we visited it and it was rejected by the Australian people. And so, so never, never again then? We, we re it was rejected when we put it forward. Overwhelmingly, the advice that we've received is that you need to increase the supply of housing and that is what our reforms are aimed at doing. Um, I'll change tack to mental health. Now, I suppose we're in the midst of a really significant mental health crisis that's particularly acute for young people. In that context, your government allowed 10 additional subsidised sessions to expire at the end of last year, and there's not yet anything in place to replace that. What will you do to replace that and to address the mental health challenges? Well, that measure, of course, was uh, determined by the former government. It, it was, that, but it was, and, it was your decision are, to allow there, that to expire. Well, there are, no, we didn't make a decision to change. You could have extended well, it. To change what was there. And the advice was that the problem was that additional people getting access to support services uh, wasn't being aided enough under that system. That is that uh, the, the, the same number of people were getting more support, not uh, more people getting support. Now, that was the advice to government. But the, I mean, the pattern that we see in mental health and, and when that decision was announced in, in December, um, that there was a concession from the government that there were broader issues about cost and access in the mental health system. Um, you've spoken quite openly about issues with Medicare more broadly. Is the health system on life support? And, and to be more specific about it, will a really significant amount of funding need to come from the government to fix that issue? Well, what we need to do is to fix the health system in general. At the moment you have the Medicare system that is run by the Commonwealth. At the same time, you have the hospital systems that is run by the states. So you have some built-in structural inefficiencies uh, where there are uh, rather bizarre financial incentives to not work together. And that's why we allocated in the budget in October additional support uh, for telehealth services for mental health in rural areas that that had been uh, was planned to be withdrawn and that was a commitment that we made at the election and we put that in the budget. We established a Medicare task force to try and make sure uh, that we get better outcomes. So we need to look at healthcare as a whole. That's what it's about. Um, on climate change, your target is to reduce emissions by 43% by the end of the decade. Now, the scientific consensus around the world is pretty clear that the world is not on track to limit warming to 1.5 degrees. We are one of the richest nations in the world. Why can't our target be more ambitious? Uh, look, it, it could be, but you've got to have a pathway to get there. You won't win support for that if when you walked in this room, you flicked a switch and the light didn't go on. You need a transition 
Now, we have a $20 billion rewiring the nation program to bring the grid into the 21st century. We have a plan to support uh, renewables. We have a plan to support electric vehicles. We have a plan to support energy efficiency. But at the same time... You need time for that investment to occur and all of the projections going forward uh, show that getting to 43% reduction by 2030 is extremely ambitious in itself because of the nine lost years which we have. But there are other policy options on the table that could be considered. You've spoken yourself about this target as a floor rather than a ceiling. And one of those is the number of coal and gas projects that are currently under consideration, many of which your government has indicated in the past that but it again, supports. Wait, wait, where? Which ones? Well, there are... There These are... figures are plucked out. Which ones? Well, sure. But I mean, it, you know, the, it, it remains the case that the government won't commit that it will never consider any coal and gas but, projects. And that's it, it's in a context where that's a AGL is constantly that's a updating its timelines for coal closures. There has not been a new coal-fired power station built in Australia at any time, at any time... But there are a lot in, of gas exploration in, projects in, that are under consideration in at the moment. more than a decade, there has not been any. Take a practical example... Rio Tinto have four facilities uh, based around Gladstone. They want to move away from alumina refinery, refining and other activity based upon using fossil fuels, uh, which is how it's powered at the moment through coal-fired power station there at Gladstone. They want to move to powering through renewables, but they need access to gas as part of that transition. Now, Longer term, they're looking at hydrogen fulfilling that role. But in the meantime, you're talking about tens of billions of dollars of private sector investment by a single company aimed at lowering their emissions, but also enabling them to continue to create jobs, produce products that we need. So you need practical, real solutions going forward, or else what you'll do is you will lose support for the change that needs to occur. Right. Um, conscious of time, I, I want to get to a couple of other topics that, that maybe aren't always kind of headline news. And I want to start with vaping. Um, yeah. It's something that a lot of experts are kind of worried that we're losing years of progress on smoking rates with high amounts of vaping among young people. Is that something you think that governments maybe have been a little bit slow to recognise? I share their concerns. There are real concerns that vaping is a pathway to the same problem that has existed. So what, what might government do about that? I mean, plain well, packaging was the answer for cigarettes. Could it be sort of plain flavouring or some, something along those lines? Look, that, that's something I, I think that government at, at every level uh, will examine. And I do think that it, it is a major issue. We know it's an issue as well. Um, the government released a plan last year to work towards eliminating violence against women. A lot of past government plans have failed. What specifically will be different this time? We have 10 days paid domestic violence leaves. That will make a big difference. No woman should have to choose between staying safe and being able to secure their job, and that will make a difference. We have 500 increased community service workers working in this area as well, providing support uh, for women and children in particular uh, escaping domestic violence. We have $100 million for increased in emergency housing. We have 4,000 
new social housing units will be built for families and escaping domestic violence in particular, uh, quarantined for them. Um, on refugee policy, there have been a lot of reports over a really long period of time, but including very recent ones, about the mistreatment of refugees and asylum seekers in Australia's detention centres. Is that an appropriate way to be treating desperate people? Well, everyone should be treated with respect and with care, uh, regardless of where they are. That's my very firm view. So what action will be taken in response to some of those recent reports about mistreatment at the hands of government contractors in Australia's detention centres? We already have taken considerable action. We're committed to changing, uh, giving temporary protection visa holders more certainty going forward. We, of course, uh, took the Natasalingham family uh, home to Billow. Uh, there was discussion at the time that we did that about... Uh, that would uh, start the uh, the people smuggler trade, and of course that that hasn't occurred. Um, the last policy issue on my list is uh, another left field one, and that's pokies. Australia's got one of the worst pokies problems in the world. It's getting a bit of attention in New South Wales and Tasmania. The Gillard government briefly considered national controls. Will you look? It's states regulate poker machines. The the Commonwealth does have responsibility for some gambling issues. But it did consider, and the Gillard government did consider a mandatory well, it didn't do it. scheme. No, it didn't. It didn't do it um, because it's a state responsibility. Uh, the federal government has responsibility in a range of, of areas. For example, online gambling is something that can be uh, considered and, and the government will consider uh, appropriate responses in, in the areas which are our responsibility. We'll be back right after this. All right, Prime Minister, we really appreciate your time. If I can finish just on maybe a more personal question. When Jacinda Ardern left office, she identified compassion, empathy and kindness as some of the most important traits for a Prime Minister. What's on the top of your list? Well, kindness I mentioned in my uh, victory speech on May 21st, and it's really interesting that as I've gone around the country, so many people have said to me that they registered that on the night. I think also being straight with people, my biography that was written by Karen Middleton was subtitled Telling It Straight, and I hope that I'll always be upfront with people. The discussion we've had today about climate and targets and what amount you, you, you hit. I, I don't think that you restore faith in government and government processes by just telling people what they want to hear, the easy answers. You have to have clear paths to deliver what you say you can do. And that's part of my objective as well. So that can be summarised in, in one word as integrity. I want to lead a government that has integrity. To balance it out a little bit, I don't want to sound too much like a job interview, but what, what about your biggest weakness when it comes to that list of traits? Oh, that's up to others to, uh, to, to uh, identify uh, that. Fair enough. Um, you know, none of us, none of us are, are perfect. We all do our best in the job uh, that, that we have. Uh, I think being a politician is an honourable profession and I realise there's a lot of disillusionment out there about it. I as well recognise that for a lot of young people, they don't identify as much as they used to when I was your age with the 
major political parties. Uh, but the job of government is usually done by one or other of the major parties. And, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm in the Labor Party because I want to be in the room and make decisions about the future of Australia, not wait for the decisions to be made and then decide whether I'll protest against it or not or whether it's a good thing or not. To have that, that say is, is really important. But it's important as well that a genuine government in a democracy like ours is prepared to listen and engage with people. And that's why I must say that the rise of new media such as yours is really important to give young people that voice and that say. Prime Minister, thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for joining us on this special episode of The Daily Oz. Fair to say there was a lot of information in that chat about what the government's planning or what it already has in the works. So if you want a deeper dive into any of these topics, there's a TDA post or podcast for you. We've got you sorted. We're going to link all of that in the show notes. And if you don't find what you're after, just DM us on Instagram and we'll do our best to make it happen. Sam, we've come a long way since our first little Instagram post. Five? Five. Five years ago, sitting in that cafe in Bondi when we didn't know what we were doing or what would happen. And now we have these types of discussions with the Prime Minister of this country and uh, Opposition Leader Peter Dutton. If you're listening, we are very keen to lock in a chat with you very soon. For you guys listening at home who are not Peter Dutton, the more you help us by liking, engaging, sharing posts, listening to a podcast, signing up to a newsletter, it means we have more ammunition to go to the people in power with your questions and hold them to account. We'll be back again tomorrow, but until then, have a fab day.